Let us remember we are always and everywhere in the holy presence of God. Hello, this is Rick and welcome to the Presence Podcast. You are here for episode number 21, year two. Today, and it is today, it's not yet midnight, Monday the 21st was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and it was a good day, Uh, a day without teaching, without school, a day in which I went to a community breakfast in the morning, a day in which I got some things done that needed to be done, like going to the dentist, and a day in which I kept my eyes, my ears, and my soul open to experience the holy presence of God. And I'm grateful that you are here with me this evening, or the morning, or the night, or the noon, or whenever it is, and wherever you are. I'm glad that you're spending a few minutes with me as I share with you. As I mentioned today, I went to a community breakfast celebrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. The theme this year was staying awake. And the keynote speaker was fantastic. She was an Episcopal priest from D.C., Washington, D.C., African-American woman who has done quite a bit of study about the relationship that police officers have with black Americans. And she herself was a police officer for a number of years, so she has some insight into that world and that culture. And it was a great presentation, just a wonderful, powerful, thought-provoking, challenging presentation. And I was very grateful that I was there, met some other people, had some good thoughtful conversations, and just was a part of my community this morning. And I was reminded of what has been on many people's minds throughout the weekend I was reminded of this from the superintendent of the school district. He was there to present awards. The um, group that puts on this annual Martin Luther King Jr. breakfast has um, awards that they give to students, one middle, one elementary, and one high school student who embodies the values and the principles of Dr. King. And the superintendent, before he gave the awards. He said, you know, I, I, like many of you, I woke up this morning and saw all of the news that continues about students behaving badly in Washington, D.C. Of course, he was referring to the videos. And he said, you know, I'm very grateful that we have the opportunity today to celebrate the opposite. Students behaving not just good, but behaving in exceptional ways. And he went on and described the winners. And I was thinking about that video and that incident even before I I went to the breakfast this morning. As I was getting ready, I was listening to the news. And they described, not surprisingly, that more videos came out of that moment that we saw in just one video. The moment where the young man and young men were in the close proximity, seemingly threatening perhaps, the Native American um, elder. Well, what we saw was the context. 
and we saw other videos and we got a larger sense of the larger picture in which the single video that we initially saw, the first video, I'll call it, of the incident that happened. And I think most importantly, and I think the biggest takeaway for me and the biggest reminder for me is understand that things take place in a larger context, that what we saw on that one video didn't just happen in a vacuum. The larger context might be the political context. It might be a geographical context. It might be a situational context. In all cases, in this case, in particular, it seems like it was all three and and quite a few more uh, contexts. And so that's the first reminder. and, And I'm grateful as I listen back to my initial thoughts, seeing that first video, the podcast I recorded the day before. Well, actually, I recorded it yesterday, Sunday morning, even though it was my Saturday podcast, that I didn't rush to judgment and demonize and condemn the boys for acting out of, you know, complete malice, acting in a way that didn't have to do with a larger context. And um, I'm grateful that I was able to to check maybe what might have been my own inclination to jump to conclusions and assume the worst, I guess. But understanding from other witnesses and other videos what seems to have happened before the events of the first video raises other questions for me and has me pointing and looking at not so much the young men, As I said on my podcast yesterday, they are young and not always thinking compassionately and thinking in just foolish ways. They're kids, okay? They're going to behave poorly. That's how kids are sometimes. But the adults who were supervising them, chaperoning them, monitoring them, they, on the other hand, I think bear much culpability. And if you stay with me through the break, I have two thoughts in ways that I think that they bear culpability. So thank you for staying with me through the break. Before I talk about the two ways that I think the adults are culpable, really, for at least allowing the situation to occur. I need to kind of paint the larger picture in case you have not seen the other videos and heard some of the other witnesses to the event. So apparently the boys had finished the March for Life and were milling around the Lincoln Memorial, the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, waiting for their buses. And there were a group, two groups of, of um of marchers there besides those from the March for Life. One was the indigenous people. The elder that we saw in the video was with them. But there also was a group apparently of four um, African-American men who, I forget the name of their group. I, I don't have it in front of me. But a group that is known for being, um, I guess, being very loud and belligerent and provocative and 
seeking, apparently, to be offensive. And these four saw the boys from the Covington Catholic. And you can hear on some of the videos, the other videos, the these four men just being rude and being vulgar and being provocative to the boys. Now, that's the scene that seems to happen. And what the the young man in the video, the boy in the video who has gotten all the attention, the one who you see right next to the native uh, drummer, he said in a statement that at that point, that at the point at which the boys were being yelled at, he or some of the boys asked their chaperones, the adults, whether they can do school chants, school spirit, as he called it, cheers, chants, to drown out the those that were yelling at them, provoking them, taunting them. And here's where the problem is, from my mind. All right? First of all, the first thing is that you can see in the video that many of the boys are wearing Make America Great Trump hats or shirts. Now, I completely support the right of those boys to wear those in general. But, but, I believe very strongly, I work at a Catholic school, I've been directed very clearly, that we are not to take partisan sides when we are in the context of a Catholic school. We are called to be political, and by political I simply mean engaged in the organization of our body politic, our society, our civil society. Politics has to do with making decisions, making choices. How are we going to act collectively? And the Catholic Church has always been involved in politics. One example, brief example, is Sunday, yesterday, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops, USCCB, put out a very forceful statement saying the U.S. government must be reopened and a border wall is not to be built, period. Now, that's the Democratic position, but do the bishops support the Democrats? No, they don't, because to do so would be partisan. The bishops of the United States are supporting politics and a political choice and political solution. Yes, one political party holds that right now, but it is not about being partisan. That's not the point. So, the fact that the boys were there with their school, wearing their school gear, and also wearing clearly partisan and potentially provocative to others. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing that, you know, a red hat with Make America Great on it is going to be provocative to others. That's just the reality. But the fact that their administrators, their teachers, their leaders allowed them to wear that material, I think was the first mistake and the first problem and a serious one. Now, before I go on, I, I do want to say this, that I do have, as I said yesterday, compassion for the boys for being dumb teenagers, all right, for lack of a better word, okay? Teenagers do dumb things. I have some compassion for the adults because I know it was a moment that many of them probably hadn't really thought about or prepared for or considered what they would do. And 
Many have said this should be a teaching moment, and I think it should be a teaching moment. It is for me to think and to learn, really, what to think, what would I do in a situation like that before and during and after, but more significantly to learn, I think, what not to do, the wrong choice. And I think the wrong choice was to allow the boys to do those cheers. The adults should have sought to de-emphasize the tension, to de-escalate the situation, to move the boys away from it, to get them out of the situation. And you can see very clearly in the video that the boys start doing their school chants, they start dancing. Believe it or not, in one of the videos I saw, one of the boys takes his shirt off in the freezing weather. And I mean, they're, at that point, the boys are thinking they're at a sports game yelling and rallying and cheering and you know that's what they're thinking but that's not what's happening something very different is going on with far more meaning something that is being captured on video and something quite frankly that could be potentially dangerous for the students and the role of the chaperone the role of the mature leaders is to de-emphasize the situation if they were unable to get the boys away from the situation, there are other things that they could have done. They could have had the boys pray, say a rosary. They could have had the boys sing a hymn, Amazing Grace, whatever. Or maybe the best thing would just be to be silent. Close their eyes, take a deep breath, and be silent. And pray and know that people of faith get taunted sometimes. And that's what Jesus said. He didn't say it in those words, but he himself on the cross was mocked and jeered. And people called him all kinds of names. And for the boys to stand there and listen and to take it without responding, without escalating, that's what the adults should have modeled and led. But the adults failed at that. And again, to conclude here, I will say that it's made me think, what would I do in a situation? I haven't been in a similar situation in my years of teaching, but I've chaperoned trips and this has helped me. So in conclusion, I pray for the Covington community, the school, the diocese. I pray for the young man and his family. He said in his statement, he's getting death threats and, you know, is vilified. The good news, I guess, in our short attention span world is something else will take our attention and we'll move on and this will become a, a footnote or, a, you know, something that just happened and we move on. So my question is this, where is your heart and your understanding in the midst of this? How have you felt as you have seen the initial video, the first video, and have learned about the additional facts and witnesses and other videos that show a different context, a larger context. And what are the learning experiences for you from this? You may not be a Catholic educator, um, you know, chaperoning a trip someday, but you might be a Catholic school student. I know some of my students might be listening to this. Or you just might be a citizen of this United States of America today. How is this a learning experience for you? And where is God 
in the midst of that learning, showing you and guiding you and leading you somewhere new and somewhere transformed. As always, thank you so much for listening. Blessings and peace.